0: Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Hopefully you're doing all right this morning. We're going to start a new series this morning, a short series, a Christmas series. So if you can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'd appreciate that. You have your Bibles turned there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are finished with your Christmas shopping? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, kind of maybe you're in trouble. How many of you have not started your Christmas shopping? Okay, everybody started the Christmas shopping. If you don't have yours done yet, I have maybe a few gift ideas for you for someone you really care about, but it's gonna cost you some money. The first gift that I wanna share with you, I have a picture of it on the screen. I don't know if any of you like Hummers. They got a new Hummer that's come out, a Jackson Hummer EV edition, and it's electric Hummer, the first of its kind with zero emission, can you imagine that? It's running for about $285,000. I mean, maybe you can buy that and. Or your family member, that loved one, maybe your husband or, your, or, or grandfather. What would be great to buy for him? Wasn't it? $285,000? Or maybe there's another one maybe you say might be better for the lady in your life or your wife. Uh, people purchase six experience, a renewable luxury experience is what they call it. The way you get a three-part sustainable luxury experience, shopping experience with experts from Neiman Marcus. Just think about that. You get to go there and shop with them, and it's going to cost you a cool three hundred forty-five thousand dollars to shop with them. So you can take around and teach you how to shop. The next one is a picture up here I have of this beautiful Mughal art diamond, they say. It's 30.86 karat diamond, is mounted in a Harry Winston platinum setting. According to the gift guide including with the purchase you have the opportunity to rename this diamond to whatever you want to call it now, how much how much you think this diamond cost you 6.1 million dollars if you want to buy that for your loved one you can purchase that I mean I'm sure your wife would love to have that on her finger. I mean the rock is about as big as a the hand they'd love to have that the next one is I don't have a picture but it's a personalized dinnerware in Portugal trip this experience you get to allows your customers design their own fine uh, porcelain place setting for 12 during the Portugal trip, which will cost you about $80,000 to do that. To go to Portugal and have this porcelain designed the way you want it. You ever ever seen one of those TV commercials? we on that TV commercial where someone uh, looks out the front window and Christmas morning they see right in the driveway a car with a red bowl on it. You ever see that commercial? I don't know how many Christmas mornings I kind of peek out there. Is there going to be that car for me this Christmas morning and stuff? Has anybody ever had that happen to them? Nobody's ever had that. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Any one of these gifts would be wonderful to have. Maybe you think some of those ones from Nima Marcus are some are outrageous. But I always think of those who could purchase those. But any one of those would be wonderful gifts to have, to have a car in Sunday morning. I mean, Christmas morning would be wonderful. But I want to talk to you today about a greater gift today. In fact, the Scripture calls it indescribable gift. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 9. We we, want to look at chapters 8 and 9. I want to kind of give you an overview. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and they had started to drive to raise money to send to Jerusalem, to those those Jerusalem believers who were uh, kind of suffering from poverty because of the famine that was going on. So the Apostle Paul was writing them and basically encouraging them at this time to finish what they had started, to finish it, to send those gifts. But in these two chapters, what he's doing in in chapters 8 and 9, he's teaching them a lot about giving, about the give and stuff like that. And he says, give as God has prospered you. And he goes on and he tells them, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow generously will reap generously. So Paul is challenging them in terms of their giving, that they are to give. And he says, I want you to excel at giving. I want you to excel at giving just as you do in every other church life. He says, I want you to excel like that. But in these two chapters, we find or just fill with the concept of the word grace. Grace is all through implied in there. That God gives, gives us because of grace, that we receive because of grace is what he says. And then he gets down to the ninth chapter, at the very last verse, in verse 15. And he closes with this very simple verse with eight words in 2 Corinthians 9.15. And he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let me say that again. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There are some who would look at that and say that this indescribable gift has to be in the context of chapter 8 and 9. So it has to be speaking about the gift that they were going to send to the Jerusalem church. Some would think it's that gift that they're talking about. For most scholars, they look at that word indescribable, appears only here in the New Testament, and, and it seems... Something is very special. The word means, uh, what it means, beyond words is when it's saying indescribable gift, beyond words. In other words, you get this gift, and, and, and it's hard to describe the, the, the gift. It's hard to describe it. It's beyond words to describe it. Most scholars believe, and I believe, that this gift they're talking about is Jesus Christ. It's talking about Jesus. And it's, it's salvation offered through Jesus. And what it's actually saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift to us. And Jesus is that gift. So what makes that gift of Jesus so indescribable? If you have your outlines, I want to give you three reasons the gift of Jesus is indescribable. In the first way, it's indescribable because of the one who gave it, because of the one who gave the gift. What makes a gift indescribable? Because it's the one who gave it. When we receive gifts at this Christmas season from people, it's usually from family and friends we receive those gifts from and, and so forth and so on. So when we receive those gifts, they become valuable because I got it from my, your mom or your dad or your grandparents or your brother or sister or someone that's close. So it makes that gift when they give it to you so valuable, doesn't it? Doesn't matter what it is, it's valuable. You care about it because of the one who gave it to you. Well, what makes this indescribable gift of Jesus and salvation, what makes it, him so valuable? What makes the one so valuable? It, because God gives a gift, not because god has to give a gift or he's obligated to give a gift god gives a gift because of his love is so overwhelming that's what we have to understand john 3 16 reminds us of that it says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son whoever believes in him shall not perish that god so loves us think about that that god so loves you as an individual you he loves you that's what the bible says have you ever had a day when you didn't love yourself and maybe say a day what about a week What about a month? To think about this, that God loves you, and he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows all your thoughts, all your motives, everything that you've ever done, and everything you will ever do in the future. He knows it all, and he still chooses to love you. He loves you. Matter of fact, in Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What that means is that God died for us when we were at enmity with God we're God-haters. We're the worst of our sins. We're right in the middle of our sins. Jesus Christ chose to die for you. It wasn't about your sin. Jesus loves you is what it's saying, and he chose to die for you. So this gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is incredibly valuable, and it's kind of, the Bible says, it's indescribable because the God of the universe, the Bible tells us, loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to this earth. And the cost the cost to God was high, wasn't it? The cost to us it's free. It doesn't cost us anything. But to God, God did not spare his own son, but he graciously gave his son so that you and I might have life. And the Apostle Paul, I love what he says in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but, the, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. And then he says this, who loved me and gave himself up for me that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me, is what the Bible says. So we have this indescribable gift because we have a God who chose to love us. Think about that. He chose to love you and give us this gift that's indescribable, Jesus, that puts value on that gift. Second reason the gift of Jesus is indescribable, it's indescribable because of the value. I mean, value of the gift. That's the next one. The one is the the one who gave it. This one's the value of the gift. I was watching a TV program a couple weeks back, and I remember there was someone that mentioned the name Jesus on there in a way that you wouldn't want them to mention the name Jesus. We find that in the world much times. And and when we hear that, I don't know about you, but it's like, ouch, when somebody says Jesus in that context. And I almost want to say to them, "You, you don't understand. You don't know him. You don't know him like I know him. You don't know him the way he reveals himself through the Word of God, do they? They don't understand who he is. When I think of that word or that name of Jesus, uh, it's, all kinds of thoughts come flooding into my mind. That reminds me that makes this gift of Jesus indescribable. And one of the things that comes to my mind that I'm bombarded with the truths of Scripture, and one of the truths of Scripture that comes to my mind to remind me that Jesus is God, and the verse that comes to my mind is John chapter 1, verse 1, where John writes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And then he goes down to verse three, and he says, "And through him all things were made that has been made." And then he goes down in verse 14, and he identifies who this word is. He says, "The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We know that to be Jesus." And then John goes, "We, I mean him and the apostles. we have seen His glory." The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know this to be Jesus. So we can take Jesus because we know that from verse 14, and we can plug it into verse 1, and we can read it like this. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And through Jesus, all things were made that has been made. So we find from this passage that Jesus is God. For anybody to say that Jesus didn't claim he was God, the Scripture says it over and over, that Jesus is was and is god and then we get to isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it says this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders And then it says he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace giving him names right there that he's definitely god and then matthew 1 says the virgin will be a child It will give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God coming to live with us. That's what it's talking about. That God sent his son, who is God, who left the throne room of heaven in all of his glory, came down to become like you and me, became a human being, took on the form of a man, become like us, to identify with us, and God came to this earth to walk with us. And Paul's Christmas story in Philippians chapter 2, Paul didn't write any of the Gospels, but he has a Christmas story to write. In Philippians 2, he says we're to have the heart or the mind of Christ. You say, what are you talking about? And and Paul says, I'm glad you asked. And he gives us the rest in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 8. And he says, who being in very nature God, meaning Jesus is God, he didn't think equality with God in the throne room was something he had to grasp so tightly. He says that Jesus understood who he was and is that he's God. And he's co-equal with God the Father. And he didn't have to grasp on that so tight because he was confident who he is, that he's God. That he said he was able to come to this earth and he humbled himself and he became a man and took on the form of a servant, even become obedient to death, even death on a cross, the Bible says. So I like when the Bible, when it says this, when Jesus, when I think of this uh, gift of Jesus, that I think that Jesus is being a God who came to this earth to live with us. God came to live with us. When I think of Jesus, I think of the example that he came to show us. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.2, he says, And and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He said, live like him, that we're to live like Jesus. What an example. Jesus, in all his perfection, showed us how to live by example. Didn't say, go do this and go do that. He showed us how to live by example because he did it. We're to watch his example. And when I think of Jesus, I think of Jesus, he teaches us how to forgive. When Peter asked him, uh, Jesus, how many times do we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And what Jesus was saying, don't put a number on it. Don't ever stop forgiving. Continue to forgive those people. Forgive anyone that comes to you. Forgive them. And then to see Jesus give us the example of, it, of his forgiveness, of forgiving others, that we hear the words from the crucifixion, In Luke chapter 23, where he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We see Jesus' example then, that he taught us how to forgive, didn't he? Just didn't say, I want you to go forgive, but he showed us how to do it. And so we forgave because Jesus forgave us. And that's how we forgive. And Paul challenges us in Colossians 3. He says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we're reminded of all the sins that we've ever done, past, present, and future, that Jesus has forgiven all of those sins, a litany of sins. I mean, the list is long, long for every one of us when we think about our sins. And that's just my sins. But that includes your sins he died for. And not only yours, everyone in the state of Illinois, but not only everyone in our country, everyone in the world that's living today, but not just living today, all those since we came into existence, and all those in the future that Jesus died for all those sins. When I think about that, he died for everyone's sins. That's what he did for us. When I think of Jesus, when he thinks, tells us how to forgive, he showed it to us, didn't he? When I think of Jesus, he taught us how to love. He says, husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. The standard of my love for my wife is, I get the standard from Jesus, that he died in the cross for, for the church and gave himself up for her. And that's the standard for all of our love, that Jesus didn't just say, I want you to go love, but he says, here's the standard. That I give my life for you, and I show you how to love. He demonstrated how to love to us, didn't he? He always showed us by example. He teaches us how to live. What an example in how to live. Didn't just say, here's the rules I want you to live by, but he demonstrated and lived by those rules, didn't he? He teaches us how to lead. You can read all kinds of books about leadership, Stephen Covey, John Maxwell, and all those, and the list goes on. You read those books, you can learn a lot about leadership. But if you really want to know how to lead, look to Jesus, right? what a leader the greatest leader that ever lived is jesus in three years of his public ministry here on this earth changed the world for centuries to come the world has never been the same what a leader that we see in jesus he taught us how to lead what an example he just didn't tell us to go do this and go do that he says no follow my example that's leadership he didn't say i want you to do this he says i'm not going to ask you to do anything that i'm not willing to do myself A true leader is what we see in Jesus. There's never been a leader like him. What a leader that we have. When I think of Jesus, I don't really think of his example that he gave to us. And by the way, there are some who, that's all they looked at Jesus. They looked at him as an example. They they missed the point of his sacrifice, that he came to sacrifice. Jesus didn't come to give us an example. Jesus didn't come to to be a, a model. Jesus didn't walk on this earth to be our best friend. Those are the results of that. The reason that Jesus came, the ultimate reason and the purpose of Him's coming was to reconcile us to God and to pay for our sins upon the cross, right? That was the ultimate reason that he came to this earth. So when we're reconciled to God, that's the purpose of Jesus' coming. That's the very purpose. His mission statement in Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. That's why he came. I want to wrap up jesus life in one verse it's luke 19 10 for the son of man came to seek what was lost and that's us that we needed a savior we were stuck in our circumstance so nothing we could do and god sent his one and only son as that gift to us so when i think of jesus i think of him on the cross and i think of him god placed up all the sins of all the world upon jesus so that we might have life that we might live with him forever Think about that. All the sins that I said before upon Jesus. I can't even handle one of my sins at one time. It overwhelms me many times, right? Think about that. We, we fall into sin. How we're just convicted and we feel so bad and we have to confess it. Think of Jesus took all the sins of all the worlds, all these terrible things that are done around the world, and he took all the sins upon himself at one time and he died for them. When I think of Jesus, I think of the cross, of what he went through on that cross for you and I when I think of Jesus, I think of what he's doing right now. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whoever I praise who understands, whoever understands everything that we're going through. You know, you and I could come alongside of a family or someone that's going through a difficult time, and they can share their story with you, with you and I. And they could share and say, you don't really don't understand what I'm going through. And that would be true of me. I don't understand what you're going through. I really don't understand your suffering. I really don't understand it because I haven't walked through that. But we can never say that to Jesus, could we? We can't say that to him. Does Jesus understand suffering? Isaiah 53.3 says this. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering he was familiar with it he looked down from the cross of the people who he brought into existence the people who spit on him the people who beat him the people who nailed him to the cross and he's hanging on that cross right now dying for their sins right there in front of them jesus understood about suffering he understood he understands what you're going through he has suffered he knows what that means Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, tells us to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are fix our eyes and our hearts and minds upon Jesus and fix him. And as Jesus, Jesus, he becomes our everything in life. That's what the Bible says. That we're really to fix our eyes upon him and walk and become like Jesus. That we're conformed to the likeness of Jesus. That's the goal of our lives. And hopefully that's your goal God wants to do in your life. I know that's his will, but hopefully that's what you want in your life. Become more and more like Jesus. See, this gift of Jesus is indescribable. It's immeasurable. It's unexplainable. It's inexpressible. We can't express it. It's so great of a gift because of the one who gave it and because of the value of the gift. The third reason the gift of Jesus is indescribable, it's indescribable because of the benefit to the recipients. We could talk about the benefit package we have in jesus as followers of jesus christ all day i mean the benefit package when you get a new job i don't know if you went for a new job recently maybe you go for a new job and one of the ways they try to sway you to come to their company they show the benefit package don't they oh look at the benefits man look at the benefits i get at this company and it could be kind of a long list the benefit package you have with jesus it kind of rolls out like a scroll just keeps rolling out and the benefit package you have with jesus is for all of eternity for all of eternity The benefit package you have with that job of employment, it's as long as you work there. It could be terminated at any time, right? It's very temporary. The benefit package we have with Jesus is for all of eternity. It never will stop. What a benefit package. And the list goes on and on. I just want to give you a few this morning, just a few. The first one, and and the one that always comes to mind, is forgiveness. We could stop right there, right? Just think about that. As I said before, all the sins that we've committed today, God has forgiven all those I've committed in the past, present, and future, that being a fallen human being in a broken world, everything that I've done, that God has forgiven me. And so many times we think, oh man, but you know, we only think of actions as sin. But it's not actions. It's it's my thoughts. It's my motives. It's my words. It's the things that I should do that I don't do. It's all those kind of things, right? Right. What sin really is, it raises the bar when we think of it this way. Sin is anything that you and I do that does not glorify God. Think about that. Anything that you do does not bring glory to God is a sin. So I can do a good thing, but if I'm doing it for my own glory, that's a sin because I wanted to glorify myself. Everything we do is to glorify God. Everything we do is to elevate that name, to bring fame and recognition to that name. That's how we're to live. Anything we don't do that with, we're trying to bring fame to ourselves, glory to ourselves. It does not glorify God. It does not honor God, and therefore it, it's sin. When we raise the bar like that, we realize sin, boy, that bar is really high, isn't it? And we have forgiveness of sins of all of our sins. It doesn't mean I have to do actions to sin. It means my thoughts, things that I should be doing I don't do, and the things I do for the wrong reasons, right, are sin. And Jesus died for all those, and I have forgiveness of sins. And praise God for that I have forgiveness. One of the benefits is we have forgiveness. Another benefit, He's translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the, to the kingdom of light. Our eternity has been changed through Jesus. Think about that. In one moment, I was part of the kingdom of darkness. Then, instantaneously, when God opened my eyes by His grace, and I realized, who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he's God, and I understand what he did for me, that he died on the cross for my sins, paid for my sins, the complete payment, was buried and raised on the third day. And then when I take that step and put my faith and trust in Jesus, at that moment where I accept him by God's grace, by faith, at that moment, instantaneously, I am translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And I didn't do anything for it. Jesus did it all. It's all because of him. That's one of the benefits that we have, and it's all praise to Jesus. It's all praise to the Holy Spirit working in my life and draw me closer to Jesus and God the Father. And understanding who Jesus is, we give all the glory to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? All praise and glory goes to him. Three, he's adopted us into his family. He's adopted us into his family. He, he calls us his children. And so intimacy, he says He wants us to call him Abba, Father. Such intimacy that we have with Jesus We have this compassionate high priest and an understanding father uh, that we have that he calls us to his family, the highest family there ever is and ever was and ever will be. We're called to his family, God Almighty's family. And number four, he's given us access to his throne. Anytime access we have to the throne of God, you understand it? Anytime, any place, anything, anywhere, because you're a follower of Jesus, you have access. If you ever wanted to kind of even talk to the, the mayor of Rochelle, maybe you have a reason, you just can't go to his office I demand to talk to you, right? You've got to make an appointment. If you wanted to talk to the governor of our state, you've got to make an appointment, right? If You want to talk to one of the state senators, you've got to make an appointment. And probably they tell you, man, you're not going to be able to meet with them for two months. Or they might even say, I don't have time to meet with people like you, right? If you wanted to talk to the U.S. congressman or U.S. senator, you have to make an appointment, they probably wouldn't meet with you. Or the president of the United States, and these are people are important you got to make an appointment. When it comes to God, think about this. When we come to God and say, God, can I meet with you next Wednesday at 3 o'clock with Debbie Wren? God says, i got time for you right now. You don't have to make an appointment with God. We have direct access with the creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence by his powerful word, the one who sustains all things by his mighty hand. We have direct access to him anytime, place. doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is. God said, I've got time for you right now. Right at this moment, we can come to him, have have direct access to him. And the list of benefits goes on and on and on. And one person said, we have all these benefits of Jesus here on earth. What? what, How great it is. But we also get heaven too. What a bonus, right? What a bonus that we have to live in eternity with Jesus. You know what you and I get as followers of Jesus Christ for us who put our faith and trust in Jesus? You know what we get in heaven? You know what we really get? God gives us the best. We get Jesus. That's what we have looking forward to. We get Jesus. Do you realize that? We're the bride of Christ. We're going to be joined with Jesus. The Bible says we're co-heirs with Jesus. They we'll co-reign with Christ. Wherever Jesus goes, we go. Isn't that good enough? We're going to reign with Jesus, co-heirs with him, is what the Bible says. Praise God for that, all that we have in Jesus. The three reasons the gift of Jesus is indescribable, because of the one who gave it, because of the value of the gift, because of the benefit of the recipients. And it's good to know that. But even it's great to understand and know that what do we do about that? What do we do with it, right? And that goes to our second part of our outline. What do we do about the gift that's indescribable? It's beyond words. Hopefully you understand it's beyond words. And what do you do with it? The first thing you do with it, you accept the gift. We need to accept the gift. Have you accepted the gift of Jesus? If you haven't, I hope this Christmas season you accept the gift, accept Jesus. You know, this Christmas, there's going to be people that are probably going to give you a gift. And it's going to mean something. And when they give you that gift, whoever it may be, they give you a gift. You have to accept that gift, right? You've got to open the gift or it'll be yours. If they just said, I've got a gift for you, and you never reach out and accept it, it's not your gift until you open it up and you say, I've got my gift. Thank you for the gift, right? Well, God has given us his son Jesus as a gift to us. And because it's a gift, it's free. It means it costs you nothing absolutely nothing it costs you but we have to accept god's gift and that's what he wants us to do and god's gift to us is jesus is jesus who he is that he's the son of god that he's god and what he did for us that he died on the cross for our sins he was buried and raised on the third day we come to understand it by his grace we come to understand who he is and what he did for us we need to put our faith and trust in jesus christ that we have to accept god's gift It's there for everyone. Everyone has the opportunity to accept his gift. It's there for everyone. But we have to reach out and accept it. We have to accept him by faith. There comes a time in our life that says, God, I'm going to receive your gift by faith. Put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Now, hopefully you do that. Hopefully you do that. You accept him today. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that we might have life. We might have forgiveness of sins. And all these other benefits that go along with that. Jesus is what Christmas is all about. It's the true meaning of Christmas. It's about Jesus. That God gave the greatest gift, which was his son, Jesus. What do you do with the gift? Be thankful to God for the gift. Be thankful for the gift. I don't know about you, but I've known Jesus for a long time. And it seems like the longer I know him, the more thankful I am. Because I see that without him, I would be nothing. I would have no hope. And i get closer to death. I'd see, God, if, if I didn't have you, I'd be facing an eternity. To what? be separated from God, to to nothing. But because of Jesus, I have have everything. Be thankful to God for the life that you have. Every morning you recognize, you, you wake up, recognize that the life we have in Jesus Christ. Recognize that. Thank him for the eternal life. Thank him for the forgiveness of sins. Thank him for the peace that you have as you go through difficult times. It doesn't come just naturally to us be peaceful and calm through difficult times. But Jesus gives us that peace, doesn't he? Thank him for his love. Thank him for his mercy, his grace, his faithfulness, his guidance, his direction in our lives. Thank him for guiding us with this truth of his word. Thank him for his Holy Spirit who lives inside of us so we can understand God and communicate with God through the Holy Spirit. Thank him for everything. Thank him for my future that I have with him in glory. Be thankful to him. Be thankful. The, the, the third one what do we do with the gift goes right along with that worship the gift worship him just worship him worship Him. everything you've got in corporate worship just let it loose so many times we want to hinder ourselves when we worship let it loose and and if you got to raise your hands you got to shout out and just praise his name worship him love him adore him give your allegiance to him he's worthy of your worship he's worthy of it he's proven himself he's worthy of our worship He came and he gave his all for you by dying on the cross for your sins. The least we can do is worship him and adore him. Lift up our hearts and minds and praise him. Not only here at church, but at home. Worship him. Get on your knees. Worship him. Lay flat down, worship him. In tears and and just adore him. Praise him. Worship him. What do we do with the gift? Give back to the gift. Give. Give. The whole context of 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is about giving. That we received by grace we're to give by grace. Let's be generous people, and trusting God for the rest. Let's be generous. You Not know, about you, but this time of year, it seems like everybody's asking for money, right? And to hear that, you might, man, everybody's asking for money. And I, and I always think of the government. They always, tax times coming in a couple months, and they always want us to give money, taxes and taxes. But I don't know about you, how you view taxes, and maybe I shouldn't say this, that I don't like to give them any more money than I should, right? I try to give them the least amount of money, right? Don't you? I try to find. I don't want to give them any more. I don't want them spending any more money because I don't think the user wise. But I don't want to give them any more money than I should. Don't be that way with God. Don't be that way with Him. Don't look look at God and say, God, how least can I give to You? How little can I give to You? Give your full tithes to God, and and look for ways to give offerings and help others along the way. And as we're giving, we it, what giving is. We give by faith. We're trusting God with the rest. That's what faith is. That's the kind of giving God wants, us to be generous people. Sacrifice. That we give and we help others. Not only we give our tithe, but we help others. We go above and beyond that. Don't look for how little can I give to God, because God did not do that with you. He gave it all for you. He gave his son Jesus, right? He gave it all. He gave the best. And Jesus came and didn't say, well, God, I'm just going to sacrifice a little bit. He gave it all. Even to death on a cross, he died for you. So let's give. Let's be generous. What do we do with the gift? Let's share the gift. Share it. Share it this Christmas. Share the gift. Share Jesus with others. And what God does many times, he stretches our faith. He tugs at our hearts, uh, especially during this time, to burden us, to give us passion, to give us a vision, to do something very unusual at this time and look for opportunities this Christmas to be the hands and feet of Jesus that God might use you to bless others, how God has so graciously blessed you. Look for those opportunities with your life that, man, God, that maybe I can bless someone else with what you've given me. And look for those. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus this Christmas. Let's look for those opportunities. You know, when I started this message, I, I knew it would fail in my attempt to describe who Jesus is and what he means to us, right? I mean, there are not enough words to describe who Jesus is and what he means, what he's done for us, right? Even the Apostle Paul, when he talked at Jesus, said, I can't describe him. I can't describe him. Only thing I can do is fall on my knees, and thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 9.15. The good news is we don't have to describe him to accept him, do we? The Bible doesn't say we have to do that. Jesus came as a gift for us, and it's a gift, as I said before. It's free. It's free to us, but we have to accept gift. And if you have not accepted the gift, please do that today. If you have questions about this gift, about Jesus, about why do I need to please come and see me, that's the most important thing you can do with Jesus this Christmas. Is understand the gift that God gave, the indescribable gift. The greatest gift ever given was God gave Jesus forgiveness of sins through Christ. So accept that gift. Now hopefully every one of you have done that. You hear me every week. If you hear every week, you hear me say this every week about Jesus. The only way to have your sins forgiven, the only way to God the Father is through Christ. Hopefully, everyone has accepted Jesus. And it helps you to go and share it with others. If you were here today and you said, Boy, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Praise God for that. Then please, please put God's indescribable gift, Jesus, in his rightful place this Christmas during your celebration right in the center of your celebration this Christmas. Put Jesus right there in the center of it, right, right in the center of your celebration. Whatever you're doing it doesn't mean you can't have all the other things, but make sure he's right there in the center of that celebration. You know, last week, the message I gave about expectation, my expectation that all of us have during Christmas, sometimes we have high expectations. But if we narrow it down to what my expectation is, what all of our expectations should be, that three things I told you, wherever you are, Whoever you're with, that you will choose to magnify Jesus. My expectation. And if that's what we have this Christmas, this whole Christmas season, every day, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, if that's our expectation, and I put Jesus, take this, and I put Jesus right in the center of that celebration this Christmas, I can tell you no matter where you are, whoever you're with, wherever you're doing, that you're going to have a wonderful Christmas. Not because of all the people you're with. I mean, those are all great things. Not because people don't, you know, they're not living up to your expectation, what you expected to happen this Christmas, because you fixed your eyes upon Him. And you put Him at the center. And your expectation wasn't that everyone would agree with what you wanted to do Christmas and saying all the right things this Christmas. Your expectation was, wherever I am, wherever I'm with, that I will glorify Jesus. I will magnify that. And if we put it down to that expectation for every one of us and put Jesus at the center, we're all going to have a fantastic Christmas this year, right? The Christmas season will be amazing. Do that this Christmas. Let's put Jesus in his rightful place, right in the center of our celebration. That indescribable gift, Jesus, forgiveness of sins and all the other benefits that we have. Let's praise God, right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your indescribable gift. All that you gave us in Jesus. Lord, it's indescribable because of you who gave it. It's indescribable because of the value. It's indescribable because of all the benefits. And Lord, there's not enough words to describe Jesus. No one can describe him. Because he's indescribable. He's unexplainable. Our finite minds and finite vocabulary cannot describe someone who's infinite and is amazing. Far amazing more than our, our minds can grasp but lord we just come and we say god you're so awesome and you're indescribable and so we fall on our knees today lord and we just worship you because you're you're our only hope you're the only hope that we have and it's in jesus we can't trust in the world we can't trust in the government we really can't trust in other people lord but there's one who is faithful and true always and it's you And we're so trusting in you, Jesus, because you're our hope. And I pray that everyone this Christmas, this Christmas, the people in this room, the people that may be listening, that would all come, Lord, and put you in your rightful place, right in the center of our celebration this Christmas, because it's really Christmas is about you. That, God, you sent the greatest gift ever to be given, the indescribable gift, your son, Jesus, for us. I pray everyone in this room has accepted that gift, Jesus. I pray they put their faith and trust in Jesus. So they know for sure they have eternal life. They know for sure they have a relationship with God through Jesus. They don't doubt it at all. I pray, Lord, you give us that assurance, that confidence, that we know for sure that if something would happen to us, that we would be with you. And now, Lord, every one of us that has that hope, that has Jesus in our hearts and minds, or followers of Jesus, accepting him as our Savior, Lord, every one of us, Lord, would be on fire for you. And, Lord, we'd have great hope for this Christmas because of you. And I pray that we'd put you right in the center of our celebration of Christmas this year. That our expectation is one, just one, that, Lord, wherever we are, whoever we're with, that we will magnify Christ this Christmas. Not just Christmas Day, but this whole Christmas season. That we'd magnify your name, elevate your name, make your name large. In every place we go, that's what we're looking to do. Not what other people are saying, but to magnify you. Lord, we praise you and thank you so much for this season to remind us how great and wonderful and amazing you are, and how great and wonderful and amazing the gift that you gave to us. Jesus, the indescribable, unexplainable gift that you gave to us. We praise you and thank you for sending us the hope of Jesus into our lives, into this earth, that God came to walk on this earth with us. Amazing, amazing, indescribable. Lord, we ask all these things in that precious, wonderful name,